It's part of American politics. We love our polls. From local races to the national stage of the 2024 presidential election, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley are churning the data so you can stay informed. This is Polling Plus. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Towery with the bow tied one himself, Robert Cahaley. Welcome to another edition of Polling Plus. I was going to sing, but I'm not going to sing because nobody wants to hear my voice. But you remember the Beatles' famous song, Yesterday, All My Troubles Seem So Far Away. Well, yesterday, which uh, in the last few days, I would say, have, has been terrible for the Republicans and for Nikki Haley. But let's start with Nikki Haley. Oh, boy, what a great week she started out with. Robert, your thoughts about being uh, not being uh, the winner when you're basically the only candidate on the ballot uh, out in Nevada. Well, you know, it's, it was funny until last night. I would have told you Haley's having a, a great week. She's been all over South Carolina, three events a day built with big crowds and everything looked great. But I feel like in Nevada, she thought she could kind of pull a Biden where he wasn't on the ballot, but he had people write him in so he could say he didn't try, but, but he won. So she leaves her name on the ballot by herself, which should be an automatic win. And then she could say she didn't try. She did not anticipate that none of the above winning. Uh, you know, of all the political contests that I would like to have seen none of the above win, this one was kind of a shocker. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, you get to South Carolina. Now, let's talk about South Carolina for just a minute. Now, the polling right now shows Haley uh, far behind Trump. But you and I have a theory about South Carolina that I think the other pollsters aren't taking into account. You want to share that theory that we have? Absolutely. And basically what you have going on in South Carolina is it is more like New Hampshire than people realize. There are, it's no such thing as party registration at all. You can just vote in whichever primary you want. And what generally happens is the Democrats vote around 400,000 plus and they did in 20 and they did in 16. And this time they only voted 175. That leaves a lot of Democrats who can vote in the Republican primary in two weeks. And if they make any effort at all to turn those people out, which you have to believe they're going to uh, with, with what just happened in New Hampshire, then I can see new people of the Republican primary making up as many as two, you know, 200,000. And you get, you know, that's the start getting in the, you know, 15 to 25 percent range. And that can make a big difference. Add also the fact that a lot of polling companies are polling just frequent Republican voters. But since South Carolina has a presidential preference primary and a regular primary, someone who has voted in one of four Republican primaries, doesn't even go, it doesn't go that far back. It didn't right. even get to 16, and there was no right. primary in 20. So I think some of their data is a little flawed, too. Yeah, I think that uh, they're going to wake up and find out South Carolina is closer than the polls are showing Absolutely. And I think I don't know if the Trump organization understands that or not, but they need to quit setting big expectations. We said this before in other states, uh, but don't set the big expectations in South Carolina, because this thing, it looks to me like there's some some mischief afoot. And uh, well, I I think that's probably very true, Matt. And and the fact is, you know, we we've been out in the field uh, tracking this thing. We're going to be putting out something. Uh, very soon, and do not be surprised to see Haley in the high 30s 
and possibly low 40s when it's all said. Yeah, we haven't polled it yet, but we had a long talk after New Hampshire about. We sure did. Because, look, we we poll more than anybody in the country in these states that where where folks don't have to register by party. And so we understand it in Georgia, South Carolina, and obviously in New Hampshire, more so than we expected. In those areas, we have to uh, take into account the fact that the other side can flood a primary. And I think in this case, it looks to me like they're up to no good in South Carolina. They got a whole lot of folks voting who would never vote in a Democratic primary. I mean, Republican primary either. They would know they would vote in a Democratic primary. And so we got to keep our eyes open on that. Okay, I said yesterday was a bad day, but oh, my goodness, on Capitol Hill is just as bad. Here you have the Republicans bringing up an impeachment of the head of Homeland Security, Mayorkas. And they don't have the frickin' votes. Now, you tell me, what was the thinking behind that? I, I know they're going to claim, oh, they dragged some Democrat in on his deathbed or whatever. But if you don't have the votes, don't bring it to the fore, especially when, quite frankly, it's not going to mean anything. We'll talk about that in a minute. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, my longstanding philosophy, and this goes all the way back to even Clinton's impeachment, it, it, it's like, Every district attorney knows you don't charge somebody if you don't have a jury that's going to convict. And so all these impeachments with the, with the Senate that's not going to convict are just a waste of energy and a waste of time. And so, you know, it, it seems to be a, 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 an effort that didn't need to be happening. But if you're going to go through with it and say, hey, we, that we got members who want to have this vote. We have no confidence it's going to pass. We just got to put it behind well, us. Okay. So- but don't act like you think you're going to win. Oh, absolutely. And in something that's not going to do anything anyway, send it to the Senate, it's nothing going to happen. I think it's a waste of time. I think that the bigger waste of time was what the Republicans in the U.S. Senate handed to the party in the form of one of the worst bills I have ever seen in my life. And I've been around since the Reagan time period when I worked on Capitol Hill in the U.S. Senate in, in 1981. I've seen a lot of good bills, seen a lot of bad bills. This one was a stinker. And the idea that Mitch McConnell and that silken underwear crowd who think they're too cool for school could hold off and work on this bill and then unveil it with, with of course, another one of their many breaks coming up. And by the way, I don't remember all these breaks when I worked in the Senate. I think Reagan was shot in March and we were all working. But that that having been said, they, you know, they, they don't uh, they don't do a whole lot of break, a whole lot of sweat in the U.S. Senate anymore. The bill was a ca- catastrophe. No one, once they saw the light of day, could vote for it. Now Joe Biden declares that the border problem is a result of the Republicans. And you know what? That's on ABC, CBS, NBC, NPR, everywhere. So now all of a sudden the Republicans have got a border crisis that's now it's on their shoe instead of Biden's. How does that happen, Robert? Well, what bothers me is it's 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 like they don't understand the optics that the pe- that people can be convinced of anything if you feed into what they're saying. So if they say they're wasting time, they're impeaching people, they're not serious about solving the problems, and all the Republicans do is feed into the narrative. I mean, they took the bait. Now, why in the world, you know, we see what the Democrats are doing. They're so smart. They're out there advertising these swing states. Why in the world are the Republicans not running ads, showing people, footage, a drone footage of the border wall left for scrap, not put up. And all the, you know, like here's Biden signing, you know, slow motion signing 
These are all the things he's, you know, this is each him undoing the Trump rules here and say here he did it with these eight executive orders. Well, I mean, they could yeah. explain why they he created this problem and that don't be fooled by Biden. He created this problem and he can't blame it on anyone. Well, else. they went and they sought a, a court order to dismantle the wire fence that Texas put up. And the next day, they had people out there dismantling or trying to dismantle this razor wire. Why in the hell that that on TV? I don't understand. Because if if the public saw that, they would understand that this is not the making of of anyone in Congress. Certainly not of the Republicans. But right now, they, they look. We did a poll last year that showed half of America had never even seen large groups crossing the border. The only time they've actually seen it, I would submit a lot of them, is when they watched 60 Minutes this last week. 60 Minutes had a story about how, oh, there's one location on TikTok that they learn about that they can all cross the border, and they're showing these mass groups going through that area. Well, that was designed, of course, to push this bill. Now, all of a sudden, they say, oh, these people are crossing, and the Republicans are, are standing in the way because they won't pass good border security. And, and by the way, this thing, everybody fell for this to begin with. I watched one, several morning shows, conservative morning shows. They had these big things up there about how it, great, great it was, what it did. What, what, by the time the afternoon came, the day that bill was unveiled, it had been shredded apart in conservative media and by conservative commentators on TV that night. It just completely fell apart. And I think some... Yeah, what's that? You almost wonder... Uh, who, who broke out, um, uh, instruction and told them it was all a great idea, uh, until the average conservative activist found out what they were doing. I mean, sometimes you feel like these guys get marching orders that don't make any sense. Yep. And, and the but they never seem to question the people who continue to give them the bad marching orders. Well, you know, some of them are questioning now. There was a call from Mitch, uh, to, uh, Mitch, uh, to stand down. Uh, as leader, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think at some point they're going to have to dump this guy because he keeps he keeps good. It's the same thing every time that he goes and takes goes off to the corner, works with Schumer, gets his select people who love him in the Senate to be negotiators. They come back with a piece of crap bill. Normally, there's no time to read it and it gets passed. And now you've got a speaker of the House who's actually said, we're not going to take this stuff up, which I again, kudos to him. I, I, you know, I slammed them a little bit for taking that impeachment thing to the floor, but they just didn't count their votes right. And um, and plus, I, I think you're right on this impeachment uh, whole deal. We all know Biden has got so many issues, but is there really time to do that in the middle of all this other stuff going on? I think they need to gather the information, write a report, have someone unveil it with some brains who can communicate it on TV and not look like they're getting their 15 minutes of fame and be done with it. Because they're not going to impeach the man, and maybe even turn it into a two-minute commercial, exactly, uh, with all the facts, and have you know these people who s tend to waste so much money on nonsense six weeks out from an election. I mean, you remember the day and age you you could still, especially locally, you can still buy a two-minute block on the local. Of course, news. I mean, the Republicans and the conservatives are not focused on winning the hearts and minds. They keep. This idea that because we're intellectually pure, we're going to win. And that's hogwash. Well, and most of the public doesn't know how they do not know how bad things really are. And I, I'll give you an example about how this media is going to change. This last week, 
uh, some good numbers in unemployment. Uh, allegedly, inflation is sort of beginning to level off, although we all know it's rampant. Uh, but there are all these stories in MSNBC, CNBC, Wall Street Journal, you name it. There are stories about how there, there's not even a soft landing. There may be no landing at all. And what a rip-roaring, fantastic economy we have. Now, the average person isn't buying it right now, but you give them four months of telling everybody how great things are going and how things are turning around. You, you could see that issue disappear. Now, all of a sudden, the Republicans have the border. They've got to defend the, board, the border issue on their own because half the people in this country are going to be told, oh, the Republicans could have fixed it, and they didn't fix it. And Donald Trump was, was keeping it as an election issue. If they don't get ahead of this thing, Robert, it's going to be a one, two, three. It's going to be lose the presidency, lose the House, definitely, and maybe not even win the Senate or have it 50-50 which is really unacceptable for the Republicans. But let, let's move on for a minute. Um, and they're on the way to creating a, a problem they can't fix. There'll be new states, they'll stack the Senate, and it'll be over. And, they're, and they're, they are just running out of time. By the way, people say, well, what was bad with the bill? There was nothing that was good with the bill. It, in essence, without going through all the details, uh, I put on my lawyer's glass, glasses and I actually read a lot of that bill. It had so much money allocated all over the world for things that don't have anything to do what they were talking about. It had holes in it that basically gave the Biden administration complete ability to circumvent any border control. It had uh, money allocated uh, for the things that people, Republicans do not like, like uh, flying folks all over the country and finding them housing and paying for all this stuff and going through groups that already exist that are also anti-Republican, anti-conservative and pro bring the, the migrants in. This thing was a disaster. And so I was glad to see it go down. Uh, now they're going to boil it down to just a Ukraine bill. What is the deal? We got Israel on fire over there, and they want to throw just small little chump change to Israel in comparison to the Ukraine, which has been going on for almost two years now. And there's no progress going one way or another. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I think somebody's getting a whole hell of a lot of money. And I think there's a whole lot of incentive about the Ukraine. But everybody has to be a little tepid with 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 Israel. To me, it's a joke. And I, I think a lot of people can see through it. But I want to move unless you have another you have another comment on that. Well, they, yeah, well there's only only one point I, I would make is when when Trump came in and he said he wanted to make the NATO pay up, it actually strengthened NATO and America not funding them immediately. The European Parliament just passed a big amount of money for the exactly. Ukraine. So. Europe stepping up is not a bad result while America's slow to, to come with, up with more aid. That's what it ought to be. Europe ought to be doing more of their share, and they, and they agreed to do it because it really is a threat to them. If they believe it, then they need That's to That's their problem. I mean, it's not our not that it's not our problem at all, but for Schumer to suggest, well, maybe we'll be in a war with Russia, and boy, we'll all regret that. What a chicken you-know-what statement that was. Let me move on, though. I, one last thing about the polling, and then I want to get into the VP contest here for, for Trump. Um, I tell everybody, beware the polling right now. We see all these polls coming out. There was uh, several that came out the last few few days, uh, CNN, NBC, others that showed Trump up five points, three points, two points. I, listen, folks, here's what's going on. You can change your model you can change your weighting. You can change how you collect your data. And I could take a poll that shows Donald Trump up by five. And if I wanted to, if I felt like the circumstances changed, and they could certainly say this, I could change those weights. 
based on turnout. I could change the, the data collection if I wanted to, and I could easily have that same poll show Donald Trump down by six. Now, that you can, you can, you can even do something crazy like base it on, uh, put a weight in for voter intensity and expected weather. Exactly. And, and you know what? So that people understand this, sometimes we have to do that because, for example, Robert, I'm not going to be an idiot. I, I may not poll the general election. I'm really considering just getting out of that because I don't think I think you and I support the averages in this country, the 538s, the real clear politics. We are the ones who keep them halfway looking decent because we're the only ones willing to poll these states and try to be honest brokers. Now, there are other honest brokers. I'm not putting them down. But you notice all these big networks disappear when it comes to polling the states three weeks before an election, two weeks before the election. Yeah. The the few people, the few organizations that actually poll within three weeks so they're going to be ranked, you know, they they deserve all of our our, our praise as well. I mean, absolutely. The ones who uh, join Emerson or or CBS or a few of the others really in the trenches. Right. A lot of these guys just disappear. Well, like, for example, uh, well, I don't even go to it. I just it's so irritating. But but get ready, folks. It doesn't matter if Joe Biden is reduced to eating applesauce and they're pushing him around a cart. Those polls will show Biden up by one, two, three. And if Trump looks like he's winning by six or seven, they'll reduce it to one. And everybody's going to have a panic. And that is coming. These polls right now, I'm not saying they're intellectually dishonest. I think these people are using what they think is their data collection and they're waiting, but they're going to turn like no tomorrow. And you well, and, and the thing is, I think that some of the more liberal groups putting out these polls and, and we and we have to, you know, if we're going to be accused of, you know, putting our thumb on the scale of being conservative, which we don't, uh, we have to accept that maybe they're doing uh, maybe that's what they're doing. Uh, that's what they tend to accuse people of what you're already doing. So it may be that they're trying to push Biden out. And that's why they're putting out their Worst case scenario polls now. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, you go to these averages, and if you don't have Trafalgar and you don't have insider advantage that at least give a, a a Republican a fair shake by trying to make sure you reflect the reality of the race. And by the way, we were the two top pollsters, one of the two, I think two or three in the country in the last presidential cycle. I mean, well, I mean, the, and the last cumulative, the the real clear politics average for the last eight years. We're the number one and number two of private sector. Okay. Well, good luck without us, folks. I want to see how your elections go. I'll sit uh, like everybody else does with stones and throw them at every other pollster and become a polling expert and and, and write about how bad their polls are. And you guys can all watch the whole country go right down the damn tubes because that's what would happen. All right, let's go. (laughs) Maybe I'm, maybe I'm overstating our importance a little bit, but I do think when you're one of five or three or four, Giving the averages in all these battleground states, if we're not there, woohoo, not good. Okay. Hey, you know, I, we're, 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 we're Anderson Cooper. We're keeping. Yeah. Okay. Talk about the VP contest right now. Now, I saw that interview with Maria, who loves you, has you on all the time. You know her. I don't know Maria. I, I think she's yeah, she great, great job. Though. Maria Bartiromo is in a class of ours. She, she, she is. She is uh, I, I would like to say, well, no, that then you, you also have a class of Sean Hannity, who's in a class by himself, and Laura Ingram in a class by themselves. But they have different types of shows. But that yeah, I do agree that she's she does a great job. 
And she, she doesn't hold back. Okay, so she asks in this interview with Trump about the VP sweeps, who he would choose to be his VP candidate. You have some thoughts on that, Robert, and about how maybe we might approach this if we're, if we're going to poll the issue. I'll let your Mr. Social Media we're, give it a whirl. We're going to have some fun with this, folks. What we're going to do is Matt and I are going to kind of give our opinion of who, who we think today, and then we're going to take input on uh, – the X account, Trafalgar underscore group, Robert uh, Kahaley, and Insider Advantage Polling. And you can go on there and just send us your suggestions. And then after a week of taking everybody's suggestions, we'll put the top four together. Next week, we'll announce those to the podcast. And then we're going to put up an online poll and let everybody vote. And let's see, let's see what our, our listeners think. Absolutely. I, I I think right now, I'm not sure the names that they're throwing around are really the names that Trump's considering. I mean, he look, I mean, Mike Pence was like came out of left field. Now, th- th- now he knows why he came out of left field. But that's a story for a different day. And I'm sure Trump realized he had a problem on his hands pretty quickly. But that having been said, um, the two names that sort of came out of that interview Tim Scott, who may or may not be a good nominee. I'm not sure that's really what he wants. Uh, and then the other one was whom? Christy Nunn. Is that right? Christy Nunn, yeah. And I think she may have some problems that, that may keep her from being on there. I'm not sure. I don't know. Don't know. But what I do know is I think Trump may be looking in another direction. And um, I think, uh, is it, how do you say her name? Stefanik up in New York. Alicia right. Stavonic. Yes. Who really acquitted herself. Well. Well, she t- yeah. Well, she took on Harvard and um, the, the Ivy leagues and busted them up. Uh, I think he likes a tough one like that. And uh, I think that's someone he'll be looking at. There'll be others. But, you know, who knows uh, what they're going to go with. But you how do you think we ought to go about this, Robert? You said we're going we're going to ask our our listeners and viewers to uh, to give us their yeah, to go online and, t- and tell us, and I'll run through that again. Uh, but I mean, let me tell you what my thought, and everybody who knows me knows I've been saying this for a year and a half. I think the perfect match for Trump is Marsha Blackburn. Uh, she she is just she's a class act. Uh, she is respected in the Senate. He'll need votes in the Senate. Uh, you know, she's the one who asked the Supreme Court candidate and define what a woman is. She comes from a state that easily replaced her with a Republican. Uh, she's got a distinguished career. And I don't know that she would run for president afterward. And I think the best way for the party to kind of come together is this idea of having someone who everybody realizes it's wide open in four years. And so everybody gets another So, chance. Robert, Robert, uh, real quickly here, because yeah. we're running a little bit of, uh, slow, short on time right now. Um Tell everybody again how they can participate in us deciding who we're going to poll ultimately uh, for this VP slot. <laughs> Not that Trump would ever listen to our poll. <laughs> well, absolutely. And so basically you're going to, we're going to use our three accounts on X, uh, Trafalgar underscore group, uh, Insider Advantage Polling, and Robert Cahaley, any of those three, uh, you just – Basically, send a re- reply. We'll do a post on each one. You send a reply back with who you suggest. We'll consolidate and look at all of them, and we'll put the top four or five together, and we'll put it up for an online vote next week. So we'll make the big announcement here 
uh, who the top four are, and we'll go from there. All right. There you have it, folks. Um, We'd love to see what you think because we find that the public knows a lot more than the politicians or the pundits or the pollsters. So you participate. Let us know. Last bit. Here we got the, okay, Mr. Football, Super Bowl. Who are you going with? Straight up winner. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Cowboys fan. I can't stand San Francisco. Never have liked him. And, and I think Mahomes is He's a once in a lifetime. I mean, I, I like to see the guy win. Well, I think we polled the country. The vast majority of Americans would be for Kansas City. I'm going to join the vast majority of Americans and you, Robert Haley. I think Casey wins it. And I don't know if this. Have you ever followed these rumors about how Taylor Swift is somehow going to get out there in the middle of the of the game or after the game with her boyfriend and endorse Joe Biden? I don't think Taylor Swift would dare do that. She wants to keep selling records. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the whole Michael Jordan's famous quote: "Even Republicans buy sneakers." <laughs> and yeah. and it, it, I mean, that's again Michael Jordan, another guy that you can compare to Patrick Mahomes. These are the best of whatever it ever were in their sport, and that's why I like watching the guy play. Yeah, yeah, with a tip of the hat to Tom Brady. Okay, guys, enjoyed being with you. We're going to be back next week. We'll have those VP names for you. We'll have more to say about South Carolina, probably have our polls coming up. In the meantime, have a great week. I'm Matt Towery for the Bowtie with himself, Robert Cahaley. We'll see you soon.